If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity Blah. The Blubbity Blah. Sending out good vibes. Blubbity Blah. Good vibes. Blubbity Blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Coming at you this time with past guests. I think, was it seven or eight years or six years or something? Since we had, it's been a while since we had Forrest on the show. We talk about it later on. January 2018. Is that what it was? Coming up on six years. Back in the old world. PC, right? There's BC and AD and now PC pre COVID. Yeah. AC after COVID. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Forrest comes back. Of course, we got, since we chatted with him, we got to meet him. At least I did, got to meet him, hang out with him, and uh, howl around with our buddy Randall Carlson and the Snake Bros and Ben from Uncharted X. I really How like I really like his methods of meditating and, and uh, his explanations. Like the answers he's giving me when I was asking him questions are just like they I don't know, kind of mind blowing. He's got he's got it all figured out, it seems. When it comes to meditations, mindfulness, coaching meditations, he's um He's done all this. He's written a couple books. He's speaking now about it. Like he's really just sort of moving forward on that path. And he does these like cool events where he like sits on the dock, meditates on the dock in front of everybody walking by or on the, on the road. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Totally. It's, so cool it's great. Shot. Yeah. And of course this is one that you might want to head over to our YouTube channel or one of our places, rumble or Rockfin or, uh, Facebook, what are the place? Twitter, Graham's Twitter. Um, you know, and you can watch because Forrest does have a little bit of a uh, a presentation. If you want to watch that instead of just listening, did you totally just listen? And it'll be fine. But if you do find yourself wanting to watch, the video is out there on all the spots. Of course, you could probably even catch up with me on Twitter now if you're clever enough. Are you going to give any hints on how to find you or? Atlas four underscore shrugs. I'm going to write that letter to Twitter though. It's just, man, writing a letter is a pain in the ass. Yeah. I could print it out. I put it in an address. And I still need to come up with the subject the line yeah. that gets me read. I mean, the woke stuff might just get thrown out at Twitter nowadays, so it might not be good to lead with uh, With the Indian Indian card. Censored indigenous. Government censored indigenous person seeking reinstatement (laughs) from political persecution. (laughs) I've been left out of the town square. I've been run out of the town square. I mean, not left out. Run the fuck out. Get the fuck out. 
And then you show, I mean, on the roundup, you were showing all that terrible stuff, people doing same things way worse than anything I ever said on Twitter. I know. I know. It's just crazy. And they, and they just, you're stuck in this algo where they won't even respond to you. I mean, they respond, but they won't. It's just, is it generic response every time? Uh, yes, it's a verbatim. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of roundup. They are rules on abuse and harassment. Yeah. So. They're not doing a very consistent job still over there at X. Especially considering Elon says he'd rather go to jail than have me censored. Yeah. Just fucking retweet some shit at Gramps and we'll call it even. You don't even have to go to jail. Speaking of roundups, we just did a great one. Um, it's going to be out, I guess is it out? I guess it would be on the first part, which is almost an hour. It'll be on YouTube and uh, Rockfin Rumble and Locals are down, but then it'll be on Substack tomorrow and it'll be on audio this wednesday because we recorded it a little early but yeah it's a great chat about all kinds of current events and stuff you should check out those outlawed roundups that's at grimericaoutlawed.ca right that's right if you want to check it out if you want to get the podcast it'll be a wednesday for podcast people we love you motherfuckers check it out uh try the free one see if you like it just do the free one just do the free one share it with your friends get the news out see what you like it's a new thing we never really tried before um, we never tried it here. We never tried it there. We never tried it anywhere. So, you know, you guys can see how you like our, you know, it's kind of no agenda, kind of not. It's like a lazy rambling sort of news roundup with no agenda style from, you know, a couple of your knuckleheads and see what you think, you know, share with your friends. Let us know. Maybe it sucks. If it sucks. Just say, hey, man, you guys fucking suck. He'll grab that kind of shit, though. I don't want to hear it. I get a little defensive. Yeah, email me. Actually, I got an email here. It's from Pete. Hey, fellas, I was listening to hey, your most recent. Wait, wait, wait. You got an email? And you're yeah. not going to play a jingle? You haven't got an email in months, motherfucker. And I, and I might, well, no, I, I get emails. I just don't read them all. But I, I'm going uh, to, Pete, Pete, I don't think I can respond to your email. It's not going through for some reason. I don't know if that's on my account, but it seems to be on your account, your Gmail. Is it friend of the show, Pete? No. There you go. Hey, fellas, I was listening to your most recent episode with your friend who went from Gnostic to Born Again. That's our Grand America Outlawed, our interview podcast over there. While I'm agnostic, I still found it very interesting because I've noticed the rift between Gnostic and Christians in the truth community at large. Regarding the Mandela effect specifically, I recently listened to Shane Sador on the Forbidden Knowledge pod and thought his explanation was the best I've heard. Spoiler effect, it's not a supernatural thing, but more of a collective misremembering. I'll share the pod with y'all, and he'd be an interesting guest for you to. I always find him pretty compelling. Lastly, I wanted to mention that a friend of and I are really intrigued with Malcolm Bendall's in, invention and lectures. Thanks for keeping up with it on the show, and I'm stoked that his lectures are back up and running on HowTube. That'll do it. Thanks for the great content. And you've played a sizable role in my own awakening, false or otherwise. <laughs> Cheers, Pete. So thanks, Pete. And yeah, I have an update for everybody. Oh, you have a Bendall update? I do, yeah. This is the closest thing I've got to a Bendall update. Jingle. Okay. Okay. Dark sky, which is great. 
and planned camping, pitched a tent, went back there for the night. Crystal clear, darkest night. So I had to read that meditation, did the singing bowl, and that shit starts happening. Now, now, now. We start seeing flash bulbs. Streakers coming down. Grim them up. Is the uh, T7 star. Okay. I, I could almost like. I could almost like figure exactly where it's going to start to trigger you. Easier <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on the second Graham Dunlop. Yeah, exactly. So this is um this is about Malcolm stuff. I mean, this is from the the big huge conference at India Smart Tech Conference at Ahmedabad, um, Ahmedabad, Indian India on December eighth. So only a couple of days ago. Um, you can download slides here. So this is a YouTube video, and it's from the Martin Fleischman Memorial Project. It's Bob Greenier, who we'd love to have on the show one day. He's just a really amazing talker and uh, and tech guy in this in this uh, new new clean tech sort of age. He's been volunteering with the Fleischman Memorial Project for a while, and he went to India to help set up a bunch of people in technology and like just just an all around great guy. And here's some of his opening, I think he was one of the keynotes. So this is one of his opening um, talks. It's just a few minutes where he talks about nature and Malcolm Bendall's work. Um, Open Science Breaking Through is the title of it. When you are developing anything, don't just look inside technology. Look at the answer to how the universe uh, has dealt with its problems. And that answer is in nature. And the one thing that you cannot depend on uh, necessarily in your lives is cheap, clean energy. But hopefully, there might be a solution offered by Malcolm Bendel and the, the, <laughs> the Strike Foundation that may play a role in that. And so I was brought in to independently assess uh, whether he had something. And I saw something in one of his experiments that gained me enough interest to do just the thing. So energy security is critical to smart uh, technology. Successful economies must have reliable, clean, affordable energy to enable commerce and high quality of life of the individual. I know this living in Kerala for the best part of a decade, we might have eight power cuts a day. This would destroy my computers and it would make it very difficult sometimes to work. This needs to be fixed, and you're in a country now that is using more coal in, than at any other point in its history. And that is because you need to improve the standard of life, but you need technology that will help you use that technology without damaging the environment. So, one thing we can learn from nature is that it's efficient, and one might say it's even lazy. It finds the path of, path of least resistance, but it cannot lie and it has no agenda. It's a great teacher. So sometimes nature appears mysterious, and we're gonna show you one of those examples, and that is something that, well, I'm gonna ask a question of you. What if nature keeps suggesting that there was a natural process that might result in lower emissions and higher efficiency of an internal combustion engine? The whole narrative in the world the whole narrative in the world is that we must use less hydrocarbons, and that is a real problem for developing nations. Now, what if we could use the hydrocarbons in a clean way? 
so that we don't have the CO2 emissions. Well, potentially, that might be something that is being offered by the Strike Foundation and Malcolm Bendel. So, my research for the first five years led me to a natural phenomena called ball lining. It occurs in the atmosphere with electrically triggered uh, uh, air and water vapor. And what you're seeing here on the screen, uh, on the top left here, is uh, three traces of a ball lightning, which might be about the size of a house in a very clean and pristine environment in Norway. And this group of Italian researchers, PhDs here, they saw where a piece of ball lightning hit the ground, and in the soil they found this iron-rich crenellated microsphere. So this may be a signature of ball lightning. Well, the US Air Force in December 1993 and published in 1995 here by J. Reese Roth, he asked the question in the American Nuclear Society's journal Fusion Technology, what nature is trying to tell the plasma research community? The fact that nature produces ball lightning without costly or complicated equipment is an encouraging indication that once we understand how ball lightning is formed, the equipment needed to produce ball lightning, fusion plasma, will itself be simple and require only relatively simple containment equipment by current standards of magnetic fusion research. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to go too long, but I mean, he get that. So that's some interesting stuff on the U.S. Air Force and ball lightning and plasma research. He gets into Ken Shoulders' work, who was actually responsible for the tiny, uh, tiny microchips or tiny uh, computers chips or something. And he worked with the CIA, and he was he was involved in all this plasmid plasmoid research as well. And he gets into uh, what else does he talk about? in this little short presentation. I mean, it's only 22 minutes long. There's a link in the show notes to it. Of course, he gets more into Bendel's work. So what he finds in this, in this, uh, in Bendel's big 24 inch stainless steel thunderstorm generator is these, um, iron little iron balls or whatever these balls that he's find that, that they found with the ball lightning. So there's a correlation there. It seems with what they're finding these little tiny discs, discs that are left over after the transmutation of metals. But I mean, that's the other thing is that Ken Shoulders and these guys in the mill in the in the they knew about transmutation of metals back then. Like so, so I don't know. This modern alchemy thing is coming back. It's looking more and more like it's legit with uh, combining what they're what they're testing with Malcolm stuff and what they're showing in papers from the past. So the ball lightning thing, the containment of ball lightning, that'd be the thunderstorm generator. Yeah, yeah. Well, the ball lightning, the 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 implosion is is created. It has its own electromagnetic container, just like a like a, a ball lightning has its own natural container. So that's what they're talking about. But those little implosions are within the thunderstorm generator. That's where it's the swirling up the cold air and the hot air. And then there's a point in there where it, uh, I think there's the, the, the negative and the positive poles and there's a middle point there where I think all that action happens. America.ca slash support guys. That's where the action happens around here. That's where you can choose to support our action of podcast. And if you think we're doing a good job, Maybe you're getting a little value from our little show over here, 633 episodes coming at you all for free. 
they're all there right up to episode one. If your podcast player doesn't go back that far, that's not our fault. They're all supposed to be there. If you find the right podcast player, they will be there right back. Episode one, Efrain Palermo. Still a friend. I have my original Palermo art hanging over my fireplace here in the new in the new farmhouse. So um, I've taken that with me from episode number one. I mean, that's kind of poetic in some weird way. Um, so support the show, guys. You know, we could use it. The support is, you know, probably lowering it's been in a long time. We understand that with the other stuff we've got going on. Uh, maybe you guys have signed up for the Grammarica Outlawed show or something like that. So we we get it. That's bound to happen. Of course, if you're not doing that or supporting us in some other way and you are just, you know, freewheeling the show, that's totally fine too. Share it with people. Tell them about it. Share. We don't have any marketing money. So if you just share the show with people, send them the newsletter, send them the episode, send them this, send them that. Whatever you can do to send it. You know, I'm kicked off of fucking Twitter, so it doesn't seem like they can let me back on. So we could use whatever marketing help that we could get. The algos are against us. And uh, we could always use some money. So, you know, grammarica.ca slash support. If you can afford a buck a month, two bucks a month, five bucks a month, maybe even thinking about it, maybe even putting it off. Maybe it's time for Christmas. Gift to Grammarica for Christmas for a buck a month, 12 bucks for the year. Do a one-time donation, 12 bucks. Whatever you want to do. We gladly accept it. Um, Grammarica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly today. I do want to segue into some other stuff, but let's go with this first. Hey, one more thing about that. Another edition of... Go ahead. We just need to keep up to attrition. I mean, that's really like the main thing here, too. It's like... Yeah, we're not trying to like make money. What? It's not like we're making bank over here. And we need more I mean. bank. Like, we're we're not looking to like. We just need to keep up backwards. <laughs> PayPal, fucking PayPal, PayPal, PayPal deletes people's stuff, and they like they fuck with it. Stuff happens. Stuff falls through the cracks all the time. Just in the in the the way the things set up. Every all creators have at least two cancellations a week on random shit. You know, whether yeah. it's people actually canceling or you know, so yeah, so. we're down for on the year for sure. But. We're not complaining. We love that, you know, yeah. we're getting any support at all. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now another edition of the Grime American Goodies by the people. All the people. I'm getting texts from my guys. Working night shift. Um. That's where I'm at. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to get to this email to me uh, here before we move on because it's going to segue right and stuff. Went to you too. But uh, in addition to good morning, guys, this is from Scott K. And it doesn't say anything about not reading it on the show. So Uh, I thought this would be a good one to read on the show because it will A, highlight the fact that we do have an event coming up, and B, uh, maybe get some feedback from the audience on this as well. Uh, good morning, guys. In addition to the reduction of brightness from the sun during an eclipse, I've also heard that pendulums behave differently during totality. I read about this in the book, Who Built the Moon? This got me thinking, hey, did you know it doesn't seem like you can get Who Built the Moon in Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucked up, right? Yeah, on audio. On, audio. on a, the audio book, yeah. Since I am planning on attending the Eclipse event, maybe I should set up a few simple experiments to do. 
I would like to recreate the strange behavior of the pendulum. Is there anything else you can think of that might be worth doing during the event? I would love to hear about your ideas of things we could do during the eclipse other than just watching it. Obviously, there might be some people focused on photography, but I'm trying to see what else might be worth looking into during totality. Thanks, Scott. I think that's a great idea. I mean, let us know what kind of crazy stuff we could try doing. You know, we could get a few things ready to go. Like C5 or, or remote viewing or meditation. meditation. But yeah, maybe some people do. There are some dorks out there. Do some magic. D&D. Are you looking for any D and D players? Um, Seem like you're shorthanded. This you no, probably there's probably a ton of people in the audience that just love to fucking play D and D with you. No, are you the master? A ceremony? I, I, well, I'm trying to get rid of that that responsibility. Who are you trying to re- relinquish it unto? A bunch of people, but anyone who will take it. Yeah. All right. So we do have the eclipse event. That was the point of that. We got the big eclipse event coming up. Uh, contact at the cabin.com. Of course, the Mojave one did get postponed until a later date. Um, there's only a couple people signed up for that, and they would just move their deposits to different events. So that worked out pretty well. We will try and tack that again. We realize where the eclipse stuff comes. So that, that means the next thing we've got on the menu is the eclipse. We got nothing to the eclipse. We got the spring off. I'm looking forward to a few months at home. You know, I got my nice new place, the farm. Bro, I was on my way to town the other day to run to the store to get some groceries. Unlock the gate, pull out three pheasants right there. I was on the phone with Brandon Powell. So uh, I couldn't, I was trying, I was like yelling to him, trying to get the shotgun and uh, I couldn't get after it. So, but they're in my yard straight up. I don't think it will be very often if you start shooting them. Well, you know, they probably won't survive a cold, cold winter anyway, so it's best to just shoot. What? Yeah, they're not like native. Remember, this is the whole thing that weirded you out. They're from Asia. They're from Asia. The pheasants, are, then they're not going to survive the winter? The lifespan's, I think, two and a half years in the wild. Wow, really? That's it? So they what? They get through like one or two winters, that's it? Mm-hmm. They so roost they on make- the ground, so the coyotes get them. Oh, wow. Shit, ton of coyotes around here. Really? Yeah, maybe too many. I mean, I'm worried I might have to be put in a position where I may have to shoot a coyote. Wow. I have my buddy Eric that'll just come shoot him for me. If there's like... Uh, Why wouldn't you shoot him? him? Ah, it's just bad mojo, man. It, against your religion? Against your tribal religion? Uh, maybe. I just don't seem right, man. I know I can't say tribal. Like, Tribal's like offensive. I can't say tribal whitey. You crack her ass. Um, well, you know, the coyote's always like up there, either the god or the trickster. The, he's somewhere up there in the something, and the coyotes are everywhere, man. Everywhere. What about wolves? I probably wouldn't shoot a wolf either. No, but do you have them in your area there? Probably. They did a pretty good job of wiping the fucking wolves out of the plains. You know? Well, we got some wolves here, unless they were big coyotes. Upon a time. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen, coyote. you've seen coyotes. For sure. Huh. Sorry. Isn't there a mix between them? Uh, maybe. What are those, like, coyotes? 
<laughs> I don't know. I never heard of it. No, yeah, no. There's got to be though. Now that you mention it, I mean, I'm. Now that you mention it, I'm nearly positive that there's a mix between a coyote and a wolf running around up there. I wolf, koi wolf. It's called a koi wolf. There is no evidence to suggest that a koi wolf is, is real. Suggest there is a wolf coyote hybrid. Koi wolves are can, canid hybrids descended from coyotes, eastern wolves, gray wolves, and dogs. And all those species are members of the genus Canis. What? Well, what? There's no evidence to suggest that there is a wolf coyote hybrid, but they're saying there is a koi wolf. Your buddy fucking Dr. Alexander is off the fucking deep end on the substack. Like, I mean, I'm not, he's just like, a, that's just. <laughs> he's even like Twitter. Fucking, I don't know what to fucking make of him. I know, I know. Have you ever heard him talk? He's quite talking. Yeah. What? He's a fucking wild card. We get him on the show. Yeah, we might be able to. Yeah. He'd go nuts because he, he was with, he was in Trump's, uh, Trump's thing, right? Through the whole COVID thing, he was one of Trump's. I don't know if he's advisors? an advisor or something, but he's like a warp speeded advisor. Well, no, I don't. I don't think so. I, I don't. Somewhere on sort of the periphery, but he was there to see a lot of that shit go down. That's why he's so harsh right now. Going, going. He's he's the one that's calling the horsemen of the apocalypse right now. He's up to thirty three horsemen of the apocalypse, including Wiseman and Carico and the people that created the mRNA and all that. If you want to know more about those kinds of things, listen to our Grand America Outlawed Roundups. Do it. Listen to the Roundups, GrandAmericaOutlawed.ca. Check it out today. Uh, other than that, do you have a bio for the wonderful Forest well, Name? Before that, well, no, we already talked about him, what he did the, at the beginning. Of that the, was it. That was the... Yeah. Um, but we do have to mention more about the eclipse, I think. Oh, contact with the yeah. Yeah, 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 It's going to yeah. be a fucking blast. April 6th, right? Two or three days. It's a festival with a bunch of bands and speakers. And it's like a, a big sort of podcast conference in a way. But of course, we got the clip from Speakers. I think the speakers are Ben, Dave Matheson, Russ and Kyle. And that's really about it. No, 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 no. There's also um, uh, Can Ben Canyon. Now, see, now you've, uh, now I got to find it. Um, Cavern. Be Cavern, right? Luke Caverns. The one we added. I've been following him on X, and he's like doing this amazing trip into the into the uh, the jungles of Central America or Mexico or the, where the Maya was. I think he was just going into all these like places that hardly anybody's been to. Like, so I can't wait. To, we got to have him on the show before the eclipse. I mean, and don't forget, guys. You guys will not have to uh, like leave. You'll just be there. You'll be there waiting. You get the VIP ticket so you can get there even earlier, full day earlier, skip that line, skip the traffic. Come on down, hang with us. The last total solar eclipse in a long fucking time over here. So you might as well come check it out with us. It's going to be a time. I'm telling you. You'll be sorry you missed it down in Texas. I think that's about it, guys. Uh, enjoy the chat. Forrest Neil. Let us know what you think. And uh, check out Great America Out Loud this week. Let us know what you think of that, too. Enjoy this chat. The one and only, Boris Neal.
Forrest Neal, welcome back to Great America. It's been almost six years. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, well, I'm very grateful that you guys invited me back. Definitely a lot of um, fun stuff to talk about. I met Darren, um, you know, on this Montana mega floods trip with Randall Carlson, you know, um, that was awesome. And, you know, to have the opportunity to reconnect with you guys, I'm I'm really grateful for it and uh, look, looking forward to the conversation here. Yeah, yeah. Last time we got into meditation and stuff like that. Um, so I guess we'll talk more about uh, maybe what's happened since then and and holistic therapy. I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've I've been working, you know, basically on the same work for the entire time that uh, you know since we last talked. And there's definitely been some interesting developments, and I would love to you know get your y'all's perspectives on it. You know, for sure. That was two episode 266 back in uh, January of 2018. So that'd have been oh about over five years, almost a full six years ago. So we're doing some some long-term reunion shows here in the last couple of weeks. We had Mike Cleland, it had been eight years. Now we're retouching with Forrest. I mean, maybe this will become a trend here over the next couple of months. Cause it's interesting to see we've been through some shit. You know, it's been a crazy couple of years a lot's changed in the world since 2018 so i'm interested to hear uh where you've ended up and what you've been up to for sure for sure so you have a presentation for us i think right the future health yeah yeah i uh i got it ready here for you guys um i think let's see here i think i might have to just reselect it um but we can go ahead and Maybe here. maybe just before we start that, you can give our listeners just a reconnect for people who have it. We probably picked up a lot of listeners since 266. Some of them might not have gone back. Can you just sort of give them a rundown of who Forrest Neal is and what you've been up to and what you're going to bring for us here tonight? Definitely, definitely. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, my name is Forrest Neal. Um, I kind of at this point, what I do has expanded. The last time that I was on uh, Grimerica here, talked about meditation and just how meaningful um, of an impact it can make in people's lives if they begin practicing it. It made a real impact in my life. It helped me to transition out of taking a lot of uh, prescription drugs, ADHD medication. This was all stuff that was given to me by a doctor. Uh, but it just wasn't settling with me well personally. Uh, so this is a practice that I, you know, started following, and and it helped me kind of wean myself off of those prescriptions. And now, you know, it's been that entire time. I still haven't taken any Adderall or any ADHD medication. I haven't had any compulsion to do it because I think this exercise really has solved the problems I was experiencing in in a really sincere way. So um, it's led to me living in a, a totally different life. Um, I've become fascinated by that. And, you know, so I explored a lot about meditation and, you know, how, how we can uh, most easily integrate it into our everyday lives. Um, and, and so, yeah, I've, I've been doing that. And, and, but what I would say is that my perspective has expanded and things that I realized along, you know, in the last six years, 
um, through many interviews. I've, I've also been writing for a magazine called Meditation Magazine. This is a, ma a publication that is published in Barnes and Noble and Whole Foods. Um, and that gave me the opportunity to reach out to some of the most, the people who I've always wanted to talk to and, and to get to have conversations like this with them and to get to understand their perspectives. And that's really opened my mind to the idea that uh, holistic therapy in general, uh, which you could classify basically as just an alternative form of healthcare treatment. This is a way of gaining the benefits of things like prescription drugs without having to take prescription drugs, you know, in all the various ways, the practices that people could um, to gain those kinds of benefits, like like acupuncture, uh, yoga, or anything along those lines. What I realized is that all of those therapies, what they have in common is a, a basis in mindfulness, which comes from meditation. So if you are, if you can meditate, then you're going to then transfer those skills that you gain from the meditation practice into whatever it is that you're doing. And so the benefits that you gain from meditation, you will gain from acupuncture uh, or yoga or anything along those lines, because an integral part, as I've said, of those practices is the mindfulness, which you developed through a meditation practice. So, um, so just having that realization of how widespread um, meditation is as, as a part of our culture or in, in terms of um, the, the practices that we have in our culture. And, and again, I can give some more detail into what meditation is specifically for those people who may not uh, be aware of that. Meditation, there's uh, many different practices that you can follow, but it's essentially a, an exercise in training your mind. So very similarly to how you would practice like a bicep curl to grow the size of your biceps, you practice meditation and it literally actually scientifically speaking, literally grows your brain. It restructures your brain. And um, and so there are um, not only psychological benefits to practicing meditation, but there's actually a measurable biological component of meditation where people are benefiting and you know there's, there's stuff i can get into with that but um but yeah so it's just been a fascinating journey of learning how um how deeply people can benefit from practices like meditation like yoga like acupuncture and, and sound bowl therapy anything along those lines i think what i've come to realize is that it's something that we as a global society need to move more in the direction of move like like personally uh integrating practices into our everyday lives um and that's going to be what i think is going to help solve a lot of problems that we're experiencing in the world um and so i i'm really excited to dive further into that and um you know i I, again, I'm really grateful to you guys for giving me the opportunity to chat with you guys because you always have really interesting questions and um, and interesting things to say about uh, everything I share. So, yeah, let's let's dive into it. But before that, I guess I do have one little question about mindfulness. Sure. 
Is there any triggers like as you're going along the way? Is there any like signs or levels like any any um anything that tells you you've sort of reached like a deeper level of mindfulness? I mean, it's it. I know it can happen almost like a almost like an event where you realize you're not your thoughts. You know, there's something that separates you from your thoughts. But are there any steps along the way before that that people can watch out for? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. What I would say, what I personally experienced and what I think a lot of people experience and, and what happens for them to realize like, oh, there's actually something happening here. And then I'm not just sitting around and wasting my time and, you know, daydreaming about whatever. There's a, a very clear indication that essentially you become consciously aware of the patterns of thought that you follow. So. Let's say, for instance, you know, you're practicing meditation, you're sitting in a, a room quietly, there's no distractions, like, you know, there's no television, music, um, you know, no, no, there's no people around having conversations or moving around. It's just like literally you sitting still, you're alone and everything's quiet and it's still. Um, when you're in that environment, what is left for your brain to process because there's not a lot of external stimuli. There's, there's not a lot of sounds for your brains to process uh, or sights to be seen because nothing's really moving. Your brain is not really processing a lot of information through your senses at that period of time. What it is processing is what it would normally be processing in the event that there's nothing externally uh, for it to concentrate on. So essentially your brain is left with what is already inside of it. The thoughts that you normally have all the time or the feelings that you have all the time, those thoughts and feelings become much more, uh, apparent to you that it, it's like, like you experience it more so, even more, uh, clearly you're because you're not distracted by you know someone talking and and causing your mind to go in all these different directions you have thoughts that will periodically come up um you know just based on what you're currently experiencing in your life so you know let's say you're in a in a chaotic work environment and it's causing you to think a lot about work so what's going to happen during meditation is that you're going to become consciously aware that you are thinking a lot about work. Okay. It's not, it's more so that you're going to become aware that you are thinking about work rather than actually thinking about work. Okay. So that's, that's what essentially happens when you're in a meditative state. You are going to have the feelings, you are going to have the thoughts. But when you realize that there's nothing triggering those thoughts and feelings other than yourself, you become more consciously aware of, okay, so I know that I'm thinking about this right now. And as you continue this practice, you know, just throughout, throughout the day, you know, throughout several days, throughout, you know, multiple weeks, you'll notice patterns where you, you have certain thoughts, which then lead into other thoughts. And then it just goes around and around in a circle. Yep. I'm when you notice that pattern, when you, when you notice that pattern, that's whenever you have reached an initial checkpoint where you are experiencing mindfulness because you're no longer actually having the thoughts and ideas. 
you are becoming consciously aware that this body is having thoughts and ideas. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great example. I mean, I remember that happening in mindfulness practice where I would end up, uh, internal because I'm in my head thinking, so I'm not present anymore. And I would catch myself at a thought and I'd be like, okay, well now I'm I become present and I could track trace that back like four or five thoughts back to where I started. You know, it started with one thing then it led to another. Right. And then the next thing you know, I'm off in this, just in another realm, basically thinking, but you can start to track right. that, track that process. Yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get yeah. into this, uh, this yeah. presentation then. Yeah. Very excited for this here. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, what we're going to talk about here is the future of health. Like from my personal perspective, what I think things are going to look like in the future, um, in an ideal circumstance. Um, and I think, Ultimately, this is the direction that we need to be moving in, like I'm saying, because if we don't, by default, we're not going to experience uh, the ideal circumstance. I think we, we all kind of have a sense right now that the world is in a quite a bit of chaos, and I don't think a whole lot of that is going to change unless we begin incorporating uh, practices like these that I've discussed into our individual everyday lives um, and that that as we do it individually will have a collective impact across society and that of course uh, will influence things you know across the world it will uh, I think eliminate a lot of the chaos that we're currently experiencing um, so let's just dive right into that and um, get a better idea so so I already talked you know a little bit about what happened since the last episode? Um, again, if you haven't watched it, you should definitely check it out. It was super fun. It was a great conversation. Um, so, you know, I, you know, was interviewed on Grimerica. I got interviewed on a, another few shows. Um, this led to me then deciding to speak at schools. So I spoke at the University of South Alabama. This is my local university where I'm from. And then I was also invited to speak at the University of Southern California about meditation. So, you know, these are great opportunities that have arisen from, you know, the initial interview that you that you guys and I did together. Um, you know, so, again, I, I can't say it enough, but I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Um, speaking at schools led to new projects. Um, this is Santa Monica Pier. In LA. So, this is like one of the most tourist locations in all of Los Angeles, which is probably one of the most tourist locations in the United States. Um, so, what my goal was, I really wanted to test myself and put my meditation practice, you know, um, up to the test and figure out like how effective uh, it really was. Um, you know, I, if you guys may or may not remember, it was a long time ago. I showed you guys a picture very similar to this one in the previous interview. It's a totally different environment, though. This, I think here is an even more uh, distracting environment than what I showed you guys in the previous interview. So 
previous interview, I was kind of like in the median of uh, busy highways. So there's cars just driving right around. Yeah. Right, right. So, but the goal for that was just to basically test myself, figure out um, how can how can I put myself in the most distracting environment possible, and and see if this meditation practice actually does help me uh, prevent myself from becoming distracted. Ultimately, that was the outcome, and it was the start of a you know an interesting, very uh, I would say fascinating um, pursuit of 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 knowledge, just wanting to understand this practice more. So this is the next level of that. This is me being uh, in an environment on the Santa Monica Pier, just surrounded by people. So in the original environment, it was people in cars, which you know is distracting. But to a certain degree, it's also kind of easy to ignore because it's people who are in cars. So I'm kind of like separated from them. And they're also driving. So it's not like they can just stop their car and get out and start messing with me, you know, while I'm practicing meditation. But here, absolutely, they can do that. These are people who are just walking around me. Um, there were many people who were saying things while this was taking place. You know, they may have not fully understood what it was that I was doing because they're not necessarily seeing the artistic aspect of this photo. Um, you know, they're just in their everyday lives seeing this guy sit in the middle of a boardwalk um, and maybe not really realizing what's going on. But once the photo was taken in a long exposure here, you can see um, essentially the, the human traffic that was surrounding me. And that's what the goal of this photo was, was to basically just show how busy it really was and how I was surrounded by people who, you know, very immediately, like immediately could begin messing with me and touch me and, and just distract me away from the peace that I was experiencing inside. But even still, I was able to find a very meaningful sense of peace in all of that chaos. So that proved to me yet again, these practices are effective. They really do make a difference. Here in this picture, I'm in my own world. Like I am not in um, Los Angeles, so to speak, whenever I'm, um, whenever, like how I would describe my feelings, the sensations, the present state of mind, I wouldn't describe it as, oh, I'm in Los Angeles. I was in another world, you could say. But that's what the goal was. And this photo uh, led to me then being uh, published. So as you can see, it's like one of the, top middle kind of photos that photo that i just showed you guys got published in a magazine that went to um it, you know barnes and noble and whole foods and many other bookstores and health food stores across the world um you know i traveled to hawaii and i found my work in um in whole foods there i traveled to alaska found it there traveled to many u.s states found it there um so this work really is spreading out and and again, you know, the opportunity to publish uh, and interview people who I've always wanted to talk to has given me so many opportunities to learn from people who are way older than me, who've been practicing these exercises for way longer and, you know, can share with me, well, you know, what you talk about with meditation, like I get that from sweat lodges, you know, in like the native communities. I'm currently located in Arizona. I'm surrounded by a native community, uh, and that's an amazing thing. I get so many opportunities to talk to people um, who've lived a life 
you know, the, the older generations more so they, they lived closer lives to, um, like a, to the practices that they've traditionally been following, I should say. Um, so, so for instance, one of my interviews was with, uh, Wally Brown. He's on YouTube. He's got, I think, over half a million subscribers. He's a Navajo historian. And we talked about how sweat lodges can be beneficial for people. So this is kind of like if you could imagine a sauna, um, but it's in a dark space. And within that, uh, you and an elder within the Native community would come together and essentially just have meaningful conversations about whatever it is that's going on. Um, and, and because of the high temperatures and the darkness, you're removing, again, a lot of the distractions that you might experience in your normal everyday life. Um, so it's allowing your brain to focus on the present moment, what is happening. It's this conversation that we're having, and it, it enables people to give their full emotion and and to really dive into the conversation of being had uh, because that's really all that there is to be done in this particular environment. So, you know, these are the kinds of conversations that I was able to have with, um, again, with native Navajo historians. Um, I also interviewed in Hawaii um, a native Hawaiian who discussed a practice called Ho'oponopono, okay? This is a ancient practice in Hawaii that they use to resolve conflicts. So amongst all the islands in Hawaii, there were times when individuals on the various different islands would actually go to war with people on the other islands, okay? So these practices like Ho'oponopono um, are practices that people would then use to resolve the conflicts that they were going to war for. So again, this is another like very direct example of how these practices can be used to benefit us in so many different ways, resolving conflicts, you know, developing our minds, strengthening our ability to pay attention and for, um, and for memory as well. I mean, there's so many benefits, but um, having the ability to write for a published magazine has opened so many doors for me. Um, so again, you know, we talked about acupuncture, sweat lodges, um, meditation, yoga, sound ball therapy. These are examples. There's many more um, kinds of holistic practices. It's more or less the way that I classify them is that these are just exercises that give the same benefits of prescription drugs or of any con consciousness altering substance, but without having to take the drugs. This is like learning a skill that gives you the same benefit that you would gain from taking a drug. But you now, because it's a skill, take it with you wherever that you go. You can use it whenever that you want. And of course, gain the benefits in whatever circumstance that you might find yourself in, um, which can be obviously very beneficial. Does everything that I'm saying so far, is it resonating uh, with you guys? Yep, for sure.
Yeah. Yeah, we have a question from the chats before we go along any further. Sure. How, yeah. How does someone meditate? How does someone meditate? Okay. Well, there are many different ways to meditate. Um, so you know, there are guided meditations, obviously, uh, on YouTube. That's maybe one of the easiest things that you can do um, is to research guided meditations. But in terms of you specifically doing it, like like what it's going to look like when you are practicing on your own without the help of somebody else is that, as I've mentioned before, you're in a room where it's quiet. There's no distractions, no music, television, phone calls, whatever, uh, no people talking. And you are just being still in that environment. So. You can keep your eyes closed or keep them open, but the main point is to be still. And again, what's going to happen is that with your stillness, your brain has less to process through its sensory uh, faculties, and it therefore can focus more easily on what's already inside of your brain, your mind, uh, the thoughts and feelings that you have. Those thoughts and feelings become much more obvious and apparent to you that they're happening. Um, and again, as you see that pattern of moving from one thought or feeling to the next, noticing that pattern is what enables you to disconnect from experiencing them. And now you're able to observe them. And once you can observe them, um, you can then, you know, without go going too far beyond, because we will discuss this. Um, when you can see your thoughts rather than experience them, you can then take actions to experience new thoughts so that now you feel a new way. And because you feel a new way, you make new decisions in your life. And that ultimately results in a new outcome with whatever it is that you're doing, whether we're talking about, you know, in the workplace or, you know, just in everyday life, in relationships. If you change the way that you view what you're looking at, you have the opportunity to make new decisions and experience what you're looking at in a new way. Uh, is that Do you think that answers the question there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, right. and there's also right. just the act of observing itself. I mean, you don't even have to make a decision to, to do anything. I think the act of right. observing your thoughts in, in, in itself will slow them down and start to create gaps right. between your thoughts. Right. Yeah. I mean, just acknowledging the fact that, oh, this is just a thought that's happening now. I mean, it's not, it's not quote unquote, like reality. It's just, there's a thought that's taking place right now, but that doesn't mean I need to dive into it and, um, and, you know, take it on completely. If I'm just aware that it's happening, then that in itself is, you know, a, a signal of, as I was said before, disconnection. Um, yeah, so you nailed it. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we can keep rolling here. Um, yeah. you know, again, these are, as I'd mentioned earlier, you know, the, and we're talking about meditation right now, but it's like the same benefits that you gain from meditation, the same way of noticing how you feel and the thoughts that you're having when you're practicing meditation that's all available through these practices as well, through acupuncture, through sweat lodges, through sound ball hearing, healing, uh, you know, through yoga. It's all possible through those exercises as well, because 
meditation and mindfulness is a component of these practices. Um, so I, I just think it's so fascinating that I started with meditation because I could have started in, in something, anything along these lines, you know, acupuncture, um, yoga, whatever it is, sound bowl therapy. I could have started there, but I think it would have taken me a lot longer to realize how they're all connected to each other uh, than what I personally experienced by beginning with meditation and then seeing how meditation is a part of all of these exercises. So, so I'm not, you know, super like adamant, like, oh, you have to learn meditation first. I think it's great. And I think it's maybe the most beneficial of all of these practices. Uh, but if you just want to get started with acupuncture or acupressure, which is where you're just massaging your pressure points, um, you know, in your hands, arms, feet, whatever. Um, if you just dive into that and and really bring uh, a conscious awareness of in the moment that you're practicing it, what is happening, then at that point, you are integrating the meditation aspect into these practices. So you can absolutely gain the benefit of these practices without starting with meditation. But if you practice meditation, it's going to amplify the benefits that you gain from these practices. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like a realization that I had is that like, we really must practice holistic therapies in order to resolve the current mental health crisis that's going on around the world. Um, so like, what exactly does that look like? Well, I think, you know, to a certain degree, we're all, especially like in Western culture, experiencing the mental health crisis. Um, it, you know, through data, it's shown that depression rates, even after the pandemic have not gone down. They're only going up more and more. You know, there are many causes for that. Uh, obviously, the pandemic really caused an increase in depression, anxiety and stress. But every the research is showing that it's not like because the pandemic is over, that fewer people are going to the doctor and reporting these illnesses. It's actually the case that it's ramping up. Um, so that is something to note. The mental health crisis is not gone away. It is here. Um, there's also an increase in prescription refills. So when people go to the doctor and they get diagnosed with um, stress, anxiety, and depression of the degree that would enable them to be prescribed drugs to treat it, um, we are seeing more of that, more refills in these prescriptions. So, you know, people are obviously trying to solve that issue, but the current idea of what is acceptable in society through prescription drugs is the only way that they are able to right now, uh, at least in uh, mainstream culture, mainstream media. Um, it's the only thing that they're being presented with. Like, this is what's going to solve your problems, going to the doctor and being prescribed drugs. We see this all the time here. Um, and I guess, you know, I'm not really sure um, as far as like, you know, mentioning certain things. But we see commercials on television and, you know, all wherever all the time uh, for people to get prescribed drugs. And it's oftentimes people being presented as being very unhappy without the drugs and but when they do take the drugs they are happy and they can um avoid the pitfalls that they were um 
subjected to before taking the drugs when they start taking them. And, and we even see things like, you know, some people had cis, uh, symptom improvement as early as one to two weeks. So it's like a very clear message that we are being sent uh, that prescription drugs, that is the top treatment. Um, and, you know, our I, I really, you know, the FDA um, really is just like a rough organization. They're very corrupt. Um, there are you know many instances in which individuals have paid people in the FDA in the FDA to accelerate the process of their medications being approved. Um, and you know, for various types of uh, classifications, there's like breakthrough treatments. Um, you know, in which case, when something is classified as a breakthrough treatment, the process of it being integrated into the um, into systems where doctors can then prescribe these drugs, it, that whole process gets accelerated. And, you know, there, there are so many people making money in the pharmaceutical industry that it, it seems like there's almost no way that anything that's involved with the pharmaceutical industry is going to lead to lasting, meaningful change in the world. In one way or another, they're going to continue um, causing people to consume substances and pay for them. Just for the people on audio only, this is a meme with a, a pharmaceutical rep. It looks like a nine out of 10 doctors on our payroll recommend this product. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I'm, I think it's at this point, I mean, there's so many um, examples, you know, Oxycontin of people, you know, presenting medications that are being presented as something that's non-addictive. And then, you know, little do we know, we find out in the future, obviously, it's very addictive. And then whenever they manipulate the formulation of it, they then will say things like, oh, well, we changed the formulation. It's nowhere near as addictive when, in fact, it is actually even more addictive. So yeah. there's all kinds of funny games being played when it comes to prescription drugs. Um, and, you know, anything, as I've said, to do with the pharmaceutical industry, I... I have, um, I, I'm not very optimistic about a sincere solution coming out of the pharmaceutical industry. Um, there's also been research and data that has come out that have shown that the, uh, the serotonin theory of depression is actually not the most accurate um, way of diagnosing people for depression. So, so it's often when someone is diagnosed with depression that they are told it's due to a serotonin imbalance. There have been studies that have shown that that is actually, uh, serotonin is not actually definitively correlated with depression. There are many different uh, studies that I've shown. Um, we have one here where it, it basically just discusses how it's not clear cut science. There's all sorts of room for many different interpretations of the studies that initially concluded that serotonin and depression were correlated. But that's the leading cause. That, that's basically like the number one reason why people are diagnosed prescription drugs for things like depression. They are told things like, oh, it's a serotonin imbalance. And so that takes the responsibility off of them because it's just some brain chemistry that's just out of place. And that by taking these drugs, it'll fix the brain chemistry and everything will be all good. 
as I am showing you here, you know, on the uh, video version here, there I'm pulling up a study here showing the data that indicates that there is no clear correlation between an imbalance in serotonin and also uh, depression. And that serotonin is so, SSRIs? Right, right. Same exact thing. So for SSRIs, um, again, n- number one reason why they are being prescribed is that they are being told the people, the doctors prescribing these prescriptions, the um, psychiatrists are telling people that it's due to a serotonin imbalance and that that's why you need to, you know, take something that's going to balance your serotonin. Um, When in reality, that doesn't actually resolve the issue. So, yeah. So, so how do we actually resolve the mental health crisis that's going on in the world? Um, Possibly psychedelics, you know, why not psychedelics? Okay. So, we're going to dive into that here. First thing that I want to say before we go any further is that I'm not personally against psychedelics, not anti-psychedelics um, really in any way. I would say um, I still very occasionally and I, I do mean very occasionally, um, you know, partake in them to basically as I've tested myself before, test myself in other ways and just ensure that my practices are giving me the same sort of benefit that I would gain from psychedelics. I guess what I personally experience when I take psychedelics is um, personally, it feels very normal to what I'm able to access through meditation. And what I would, what would tell me that I'm lagging with my meditation practice is that I experience something on psychedelics that I don't normally experience in my practices. But that doesn't really happen for me because I uh, I'm very deep in a meditation practice. So um, so I'll talk a little bit about the function of psychedelics and what what they actually enable us to do, at least from a very simplified perspective through the research and conversations that I've had, um, you know, with medical experts, you know, with me, with people with um, a wide range of backgrounds who you know might might partake in psychedelics or holistic therapies. So I just want to make it clear here: not against psychedelics. If you want to use them, they can be obviously beneficial. Uh, if you take them, you're you're having an experience, and it's probably very very different from what you have in your normal everyday life. I'm not here to discount that. What I am here to say is that. I think there's something even better here, but but we'll definitely address that. Like, what does that look like exactly? So talking about the function of psychedelics, this is an interesting point to make here. It actually has a similar function, ultimately, in a very simplified way to drinking and smoking cigarettes. So simple nicotine. What I am indicating here is that especially when you take small doses of psychedelics, like a microdose or something just rather small on the smaller end. Um, and you compare that to the experience of having a beer or two, just depending on how much it is that you drink. But again, we're talking about low um, dosages here. And then the same for smoking cigars or smoking pipes or anything like that. 
what's ultimately happening in a very simplified way. I'm not trying to say that what's happening here when you drink and when you smoke and you do psychedelics is all the same thing and it is the same experience. I'm not saying that. In a very simplified way, what's happening is that these substances act like a pattern interrupt. And so they enable you to take a step back from what you normally experience in your everyday life. And they enable you to then observe that from an alternative perspective. So um, you may notice, especially like when we're talking about uh, people, quote unquote, intellectuals in society, it's common that you will find scientists, professors of various types go to bars and drink. And that's where they then are able to come up with, you know, their, their fascinating theories and and their, what their next paper is going to look like. It's very common for, for doctors and uh, professors to mention these consciousness altering substances as a bit of the inspiration that enabled them to conceptualize this new idea that they're having. Same exact thing with uh, cigars and tobacco. Um, You know, many, many, many individuals throughout society, especially of the intellectual type, um, have used consciousness altering substances to benefit them. Also, previously in sports as well, it used to be a much bigger thing that, you know, people would actually drink before sporting events. You know, actually athletes themselves would drink before sporting events. And that would actually, in some sort of way, um, improve their performance. Um, also, smoking cigarettes or just consuming nicotine in general. So, so again, what I'm, what I'm painting a picture here of is that there's a very similar effect that you would gain whether you are drinking very moderately or smoking very moderately or taking a microdose of of a psychedelic that essentially what's happening is that you are able to take a step back because your brain chemistry has been altered slightly and that enables you to then kind of observe your normal everyday life, the environment that you're surrounded by, but you see it in an entirely different way. So um, again, this is what enables you to then, once you're observing your environment in a new way, seeing potential opportunities to make decisions that you may not have seen before in a sober state of mind, and that then, of course, enables you to take actions, get new results. And now you're gaining the benefit from um, these consciousness altering substances. Um, do you guys have any questions on that? I know that's kind of like a, a very uh, maybe, quote unquote, controversial idea. Um, but, you know, if you guys would like to know more about that, I can definitely you know, sit on this for a second here. No, I think I think I'm good, Dan. No, I'm good. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, if you guys say you're getting to where I'm getting on the DMT, I mean, power to you. I mean, I'm so got right. so far in the DMT, yeah. I'm scared to go back. So I like right. It's a real pattern interrupt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, on that note, um, I I've done ayahuasca multiple times. And and that is said to be like, you know, the creme de la creme of psychedelics. 
not only is it, you know, uh, it is DMT, but it's it's in a form where you're having the DMT experience for an extended period of time, you know, over the course of six to eight hours. I've done that multiple times. And, you know, what I came to realize, you know, what's interesting about ayahuasca is it's much more dreamlike than, you know, any other psychedelic that I've, you know, consumed. Um, it's much more like with open eyes, you're able to, when you're perceiving the world, it's like there's things going on that aren't actually there, you know? So like you're, you're open eyes, but you're experiencing a dream. Um, most psychedelics that I've taken before are not like that. Um, but so I say this to say, like, I've, I think for the most part, I've gone to, um, maybe there's not an end of the road with DMT and ayahuasca, but I've definitely been on the road. I know what it feels like. I know the directions that it can head in. And um, even still, what I would say is that there are components of the ayahuasca experience that you can bring back with you and talk about and share Um but you don't necessarily need to get to that high level of intoxication to practice exercises that enable you to get those same benefits. And, you know, the, the ayahuasca is like probably the biggest one today, other than, you know, psilocybin mushrooms that people are just like, if you do ayahuasca, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be good. Like you're going to be healed. Um, and I just, I don't know how much I really agree with that. Having been on the inside, see what it, seen what it looks like, seen it, uh, personally experienced it and kind of gotten to know the other people who were doing it alongside me. It was much more clear to me, at least in my personal experience that, um, it seems as though the ayahuasca is, it, it's like a poorest kind of experience that maybe never, never gets old. You're, you know, if you, if you go to an ayahuasca ceremony, if you travel to go do one of these things, it's not uncommon that you're going to meet people who've done ayahuasca 40 times or more. So, so what that's telling me is that, you know, it's, well, there's a a lot of things that it's telling me, um, and we'll, we'll move into that here. Um, so why is it that I, I don't think things like psychedelics or psychedelic assisted therapy will be as, as effective as many people think? Um, the, the reason why these psychedelics, I think, are not going to be as beneficial as many people think, there are three main reasons. One of those being that environmental conditioning never stops. So while you may have a healing experience that takes place under ayahuasca, DMT, um, psilocybin, LSD, whatever it is, um, you can absolutely have some like realizations that are very meaningful, but you need to return back to the world that you came from. And when you originally left, you were living in the world of this is the chaos that I'm experiencing. Um, you know, these are the people who I'm surrounded by who don't support me. Um, these are all just the negative influences that I'm surrounded by that are making me feel bad and that, and that are causing me to feel like I need to take a psychedelic in order to move beyond. 
you're just going to jump right back into that environment. And that oftentimes can cause people to just revert back to many of the same habits that they followed before, even after taking psychedelics and having this revolutionary, uh, mind-blowing breakthrough. Um, so the fact that your environmental conditioning never stops means that you can't just like take psychedelics and then live in a bubble for the rest of your life. Um, but many people present psychedelics as though once you take them, you're forever changed for the rest of your life and you'll never be the same. And, you know, you're, you're, you're going to live a totally healed life. There are many reasons why at least describing it in that way is not true. Um, so environmental conditioning is one of them. Another one is that sometimes our psychedelic experiences can be so wild that it's hard to um, really embrace the validity of them. We begin questioning them. Like, was that real? Like what I saw, especially with ayahuasca and DMT, you're like actually seeing things. Uh, you begin to question like, you know, did I actually see what I think I saw? And when you begin questioning things like that, you don't hold the value of the experience itself as strongly because in the back of your mind, you don't even know if what happened was real or if what you experienced was like, if you're kind of overblowing the experience of what actually happened. Um, that's one of the downsides. Um, of psychedelics again you know it's just so it's such an abstract experience from what we normally have that when you come back into your, your normal everyday life it's hard to integrate the the messages that you've been sent in those experiences because you have to of course you know not only determine if what you experienced was real and that if it actually matters but again you also have to compete with the uh, environmental conditioning that you're surrounded by as well. And then finally here, as I mentioned before, um, it's common to meet people who've done ayahuasca 40 times or more. There's something known as the healing paradox. So this is when you may gain some benefit from ayahuasca or psilocybin. But what you will find is that if you don't have a practice you know, meditation, yoga, whatever it is to, to kind of sit in the present moment and allow the benefits that you've gained from the psychedelic experience, um, the knowledge, the, the realizations that you've had. If you don't have a practice to sit and meditate on those realizations that you've had, um, they're going to pass by. You may experience some healing from them. But it's going to cause you to become more interested in the idea of psychedelics. You're going to you know, consider like, OK, well, maybe like I just need to take psychedelics again. And, you know, then it's going to solve problems that I'm currently experiencing now. And, you know, a lot of people do that. And it just it's a never ending cycle. It will never stop. That's why it's the healing paradox. There's always more to work on, always more to heal. And that is something that you open up with continual psychedelic use that isn't supported by a holistic practice. So again, you know, and I've said this, but I want to make it clear because I know I'm kind of bashing psychedelics right now. Um, I'm not against psychedelics. You can use them. Um, you can definitely benefit from them. 
But in order to gain the full value of them, you really need to support them with a holistic exercise that can get you to that state of mind without having to take drugs. And so that way you're using psychedelics more to test yourself rather than to break through into worlds that you're not able to experience in your normal everyday life. Um, so that that is why, amongst many other reasons, and I can definitely go further into detail about psychedelic therapy and why I don't necessarily think that's going to be super helpful. Uh, but just psychedelics in general, I think you need to learn skills that enable you to experience those states of mind on your own without any help from the outside world, without other people, without drugs, without anything. Um, because you're not going to know for sure that you've been healed until you know that you don't need anything to support your healing. You yourself are just living the life of a healed person. And that looks like someone who's practicing these exercises, allowing their thoughts, feelings, and emotions to come to their attention, and then managing them as they see fit with the skills that they've developed to uh, both become aware of those thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and uh, to take actions to manage them. Um, so yeah, um, so that's that's a little bit about psychedelics here. Um, so again, and I mentioned this a little bit, what will actually make a lasting impact to resolve the mental health crisis? Uh, well, integrating holistic therapies into our everyday lives. That, that, in my opinion, is what is going to resolve mental health crisis. And, you know, as corny and cheesy as it sounds, I really do believe that if everyone really practiced an exercise with whatever it is that it looked like, that, you know, we would definitely move closer in the direction of quote unquote world peace. Um, you know, I'm not trying to make it seem like this is anything uh, beyond what it actually can do, but I truly do personally believe that anyone who practices these exercises are going to benefit from them. And then if we use them collectively as a society, we will benefit from them as a society. Um, so, yeah, moving through quickly here. Um, what's the function of holistic therapy? It's to enable the aha moments naturally from inside of yourself, not needing a person to give you that aha moment, not needing a drug to give you that aha moment. But in that aha moment, you've, again, gained conscious awareness of some pattern that you followed. And through that awareness, the aha moment, you can even just through the awareness gain a benefit, but through the awareness, make new decisions, get a new result and gain that benefit. Um, just, just through natural exercise, just through stretching you know there's many different ways that that can present itself this following a holistic practice yoga meditation reiki sound bowl therapy this is how you can authentically work on yourself so within the spiritual community and within the psychedelic community the term doing the work or working on yourself is a very popular term uh, but what it means is not actually like having the experience of awakening and becoming aware of patterns that you followed or maybe mistakes that you've made in the past, but actually taking actions to correct those errors that you may have made in the past. That is what working on yourself actually looks like. It's not thinking, it's doing things. So that could look like sending messages to people and apologizing for things that you've done in the past. Um, you know, I've personally done this 
it's very relieving. And I, I gained the insight to apologize to someone through my meditation practice. Like there was a feeling that I had when I, you know, was scrolling on Facebook and I saw this one person pop up and I would get this feeling from them and I would meditate on that feeling. I'm like, why is it that I feel this way whenever I see this person? Through that meditation, it becomes aware to me that um, that I was like a douchebag to this guy in high school. Like I picked on him. Um, and so that really made me feel like what I needed to do was to at least send that guy a message and say, hey, man, like I'm I know that I was a jerk to you when I was in school. And I just want to apologize because that wasn't my goal. I was just a young, you know, shithead kid. Um, but it really matters to me that I make sure that that everything's good with you because because I'm going through this process right now where I'm just becoming more aware of myself and how I'm influencing others. So I just want to let you know I'm genuinely sorry for the way that I treated you um, when we were younger. You know, that's that's a way that doing the work can present itself. It could also look like quitting a job that's not supporting you, a job that you're surrounded by individuals who uh, don't support the things that you find are interesting. You know, you may not have a whole lot of friends at work and maybe you don't enjoy the work, but you haven't really thought about that because you're just like so caught up in it. And, you know, you're just going to work to get a paycheck and pay your bills and just doing what you got to do. Um, but little do you know, like it has a real impact on how you feel as a person. So doing the work could also look like finding an alternative that can support you financially, uh, but it's also going to support you much more emotionally and mentally as well. Um, so so we're, we're talking about actually making real life changes. And that comes from, I think, most strongly practicing holistic therapy, because when you're practicing holistic therapy, you're in this world here. You're not in some dreamlike world. You are in the world that you would be living in if you were to do, quote unquote, the work. And so it's easy to kind of like practice meditation, have a, a really meaningful realization. And then like within five seconds of getting out of meditation, doing something like what I'm sharing with you here, sending those messages, the, the apologies, you know, whatever, uh, finding a new job. Like these are things you can instantly do after a holistic practice but through you know psychedelics just going back to that and comparing it you know while it is effective um in the moment you're not going to feel super great about talking to people while you're tripping out and you barely can even walk like you're not going to feel super great about doing that there's probably going to be a big part of you that's like i shouldn't be talking to people right now so that's going to discourage you um, and you're probably going to think, man, it's way too extreme for me to quit my job right now. I got, I can't do that. So there's all, again, there's all these ways that practicing psychedelics or using psychedelics, um, they can be beneficial, but just not like the most immediately beneficial way of actually solving, um, issues, you know, especially when it comes to like mental health, mental and emotional health, um, that can most easily be done through a holistic practice. And, you know, we're definitely getting to the end here. So I just want to um, just get through and um, definitely share this stuff with you. So some of the benefits of starting a practice, it's going to be a total night and day difference with what you experience in your everyday life. If you practice something every day, even if it's just five or 10 minutes when you wake up in the morning, I can guarantee you, especially 
you know, once you get it down to the point where you know, like something is happening, that your everyday experience of life, the conversations that you're having, the people you're spending time with, the the way that you're spending time is going to be totally different. It's going to be a night and day difference. Um, and I, I've mentioned this a few times here, but um, it's it's just a graph kind of talking about it's it says like paradigms, behavior, and results. I've mentioned paradigm is kind of like your way of seeing the world and like the particular frame that you have. The particular frame of the world that you have determines a lot of the decisions that you see are available to you to make, depending on what you're personally experiencing. The decisions that you make then give a certain result, and then that result could potentially strengthen or weaken the particular frame that you have of the world, the way that you're seeing the world. Okay. So, but if we start here, start with our paradigm and change the way that we see ourselves and the world around us, which we can very easily do naturally through a holistic practice that enables us to see other potential decisions that we could make, conversations that we could have, um, jobs that we could take, whatever that we may not have allowed ourselves to consider until the moment that we got comfortable and relaxed enough to be willing to consider them, you know, just through the practices, seeing those new available decisions, we can then make new decisions, get a new result, and again, experience a totally new reality. Um, so a healthy mind really improves your life overall. Um, you know, some other benefits, you know, this is Sarah Lazar. She's a neuroscientist at Harvard, I interviewed her for Meditation Magazine. She has a TED Talk with millions of views. Um, I highly recommend people, anybody check that one out. Um, it's called How Meditation Can Reshape Our Brains. So on one of these slides here, she talks about the benefits, scientifically validated, decreased stress, reduced symptoms associated with depression, anxiety, pain, insomnia, and enhanced ability to pay attention and increased quality of life. There are many more benefits besides that. That's just this one particular slide here. Um, and that's back, other and that's benefits back, here. And that's back from 2011. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, that's back. Yeah. From yeah. I mean, you know, that's already 12, 12 years ago, 12, 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So even more research and data has come out, you know, through these uh, practices and, and Sarah herself, has you know decided to do further studies and you know the cool thing about writing for the magazine i connected with her we have a bond she's gonna let me know as soon as the results from her new study come out and i'm gonna be like one of the first people if not the first person uh to talk to her about them and to sh to share them out so um, great. yeah thank you for pointing that out this is yeah, 11 years ever ago did you ever talk to Daniel Siegel at all? Or did you ever, uh, do you know who I'm talking about? Daniel Siegel. I think he, I do know who you're talking about. Yeah. He was oh, really, I have not though. Yeah. He wrote those books about mindfulness in the mid two thousands, I think mid to mid to late two thousand. So again, just around that time, probably a little sooner. I mean, doing some amazing work on, on kids and mindfulness. And right. We tried to get 100%. him on the show a while ago, but he was like, uh, I think he was looking for more of a mainstream show. He's like, well, how many, how many listeners do you have? Like he, he came back to well, me with a ton of questions. He came back to me with a ton of questions. I'm like, ah, maybe you're not yeah. for us. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sucks for him because this is a super fun show. Um, I, I love this. I love this. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I know who you're talking about. And, um, you know, there are many people who I want to talk to. You know, Sam Harris is another guy who I really want to talk to. Um, he's really, really in this world of um, of meditation in particular, but he'll also talk about psychedelics and, and he'll talk about how, you know, all these practices, whether we're talking about psychedelics or meditation or anything else, that they're all moving in the same direction. They're all leading to the same similar kind of outcome, but there's just obviously different ways of getting there. You might want to talk to him. You might want to talk to him quick before he jumps the shark. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 I know. Um, we're going to figure it out. I mean, his wife as well is also fascinating. Um, she, she helps children learn meditation. Um, you know, as you, as you, I think mentioned briefly, uh, earlier, um, you know, she's written several books teaching very young children practices like meditation. So, um, so even talking to her would be fascinating. Oh, There's man. a long list of people, long list of people. Um, so yeah, moving on here. Um, this is another person who I interviewed. This is one of my friends, actually. We've, we've become close friends. His name is Ricky Waisaki, and he is a two-time disc golf world champion. He's one of the first disc golf professionals that have signed a multi-million dollar contract. So he's a, a great professional athlete, a very high-performing athlete. And, and he talks about, specifically, he said, uh, when I interviewed him, uh, he said, this year was the first year that I started doing it. And he's talking about meditation. Uh, I won player of the year, disc golf, pro tour points. I won a lot of stats that measures a great season. I think that's a direct correlation with me doing meditation. So so that's him specifically pointing out these practices and talking about how they are benefiting him. Um, you know, I don't have an exact quote from him, but he also mentioned how um, – doing things like ice baths have essentially given him the ability to mentally reset. And, um, and so he might be experiencing a lot of stress, anxiety, whatever it is, gets into the ice bath, no longer experiencing the stress and anxiety. He's now, you know, seeing the world in a different way and he's just no longer influenced by how he felt before. That's the same kind of outcome that happens when you practice meditation or yoga or anything along those lines. And the fact that he said something like a mental reset, um, it, it's like like he also I know that Ricky here, um, he's not really a psychedelic user. Um, he may have never taken psychedelics before. But the way that he's describing these exercises that he's practicing, it's as if he is talking about someone who's having a psychedelic experience. Yeah. And, I mean, that's just just fascinating to me. Um, you know, moving, you know, moving further along, you know, and there are many, many celebrities who practice exercises like this. I'm just mentioning a few notable ones here. Got LeBron, Kobe, uh, rest in peace here. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., um, Rick Rubin, um, many, many, many people who I cannot picture um, are very uh, outward about how they practice these exercises. You know, one of the quotes that LeBron said was that the greats train their body and the greatest train their mind. You know, I, I would hundred percent agree with that. Um, you know, Michael Jordan practiced meditation. Um, 
Phil Jackson, who was the coach of Kobe and um, Michael Jordan, was the person who introduced them to meditation. And, and you know, he's the most winning, one of the most winning, if not the most winning um, NBA coaches of all time. So, no. I mean, we're talking about people. Yeah, we're talking about people who really personally gained a lot of benefit from these practices and they're promoting them. Um, so, okay. So yeah, we understand how maybe individuals will benefit from these practices, but how will the world benefit? Well, when you change the way that you see the yourself, you then by default change the way that you see the world. You begin respecting it in a new way. You see the value in doing things like, you know, cleaning up trash that other people have left because um, you're not so much in your head anymore worrying about how you feel. It's almost like you're you're able to live in the world and perceive it much more clearly um, and, and see how you are a part of it and how you have the ability to influence it. Um, that's a benefit that you gain from these exercises, again, because you're not so worried about your own stress, anxiety, and depression that you're experiencing. You have so much more mental space to perceive what's going on around you, and you might see things that people could use help with. And to help them, that's something that you may not in the moment before when you were experiencing, you know, the anxiety and everything else. You 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 were probably thinking like, man, I got too much going on. I'm too busy right now. I can't help this person change their tire. But when you have that mental space, the clarity of my life, everything's great. And, and the world around me is beautiful. When you see those people who are in need of help, it just is more natural for you to, you know, consider like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything. I mean, I don't really have to be anywhere. You know, I might as well just um, spend some time helping this person. And, you know, that's something that arises, again, from the mental space that is available to you. So, okay. So getting, again, I've said it a few times, but we really are getting to the very end here. And I'm about to share a big idea. So, um, so I'm going to do my best to make this clear. So I had the fortunate opportunity to meet Darren along with uh, Randall Carlson and Ben from Uncharted X and many other just fascinating people. And we went on a, um, on a tour through Washington, Idaho and Montana, where we basically just surveyed, surveyed the geology of the area. And saw all the indicating factors of a major cataclysm that happened, um, perhaps in the recent past. And so there are all these signs and signals, you know, on the earth that it has been scarred, you know, through through various disasters that have taken place. And and, you know, what I think is that. Um, going on this tour was just so fascinating because it was like I was able to see what happens to the world whenever we as a collective society of humans can't come together and prevent cataclysms from destroying a lot of the world. Like this is what the world looks like, like literally these wave ripples that that we're looking at in one of these slides um this th this is an indicating factor of an enormous flood that moved through this land um and it's all been scientifically verified that that is what happened um and that that is what has left these geological features the ripples just in the middle of 
you know, uh, of a pasture more or less. I, I think this was in Montana. Um, so, so we're getting a picture of what the world looks like when we as human beings can't come together, potentially, depending on what was going on at the time, uh, when human beings can't come together and prevent disasters from taking place. Um, but if we can come together, you know, practicing these exercises, working on ourselves as individuals, and then seeing the value in helping other people because we're no longer thinking about ourselves so much. We're, we're now able to communicate and connect with our fellow human beings in a much more meaningful way um, that enables us to come together and care for the world um, in a way that people in the past may not have done. And, uh, and that can enable us to make decisions to prevent more disasters from happening in the world, whether it's, you know, comet impacts or flooding or, you know, whatever it is, we can work together in a much more meaningful way because we've come together. We as individuals have healed ourselves in a very meaningful way. We can then very easily come together as friends and solve global problems. And honestly, I think that is what is going to need to happen if we're going to become a civilization of humans that will evolve into exploring um, the solar system and beyond like many people want us to become. So, um, so yeah, that, that's it for what I wanted to share with you guys. And um, um, this is really meaningful work to me. This is work that I'm really dedicating my life to. Uh, because I do think it is possible for us to get to the place where Elon Musk, he's fantasizing about getting people to Mars. And, and you know, I, I think that is possible, but not in the current world that we're living in and not on the current trajectory that we are moving on, uh, at least in a meaningful way. We're not going to have this massive movement or integration off of Earth and into, um, you know, into future places where humans can live. I mean, obviously we're talking about more or less like the far future, um, but we're not going to get to that point if we can't come together as human beings. And the only way that I see that legitimately happening, like in a meaningful way, is if we all begin like practicing exercises that enable us to heal ourselves and then come together as a, as a society to heal global problems so that we can come together and and move beyond and become the next level of human beings uh, that we are destined to become. So thank yeah. you guys for allowing me to share that. Yeah, no problem. I like it. I mean, it's very practical advice, right? Very practical. You can show what meditation does, how it affects you, how it happens, how you can change from that. And you're right. And once you change yourself and the way you look at it, it, it can change other things. Yeah, I like it. Right. Well done, bro. Yeah, you yeah. nailed it. Where can, cool. people, where, can, where can our listeners follow you or track you down if they have any questions you have like a website yeah yeah where you had the book where can people get the book yeah well um i do i do have a book on amazon it's called the power of meditation you can uh just type power meditation on youtube or uh, on amazon and maybe my name is well forest neil Although I think I am the only person with that book title. Um, and, you know, I have a book there. It was written quite a while ago, um, but that's, you know, like a book that I have. Um, I'm probably going to end up writing another book, 
going into more detail about what we've talked about here. Um, but I'm going to definitely have more conversations with individuals, do more interviews, you know, allow more studies to come in and, and really like hone in the message um, and, and, you know, consider writing a book about that. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, I'm on social media, you know, right now on Facebook, you can, you can add me as a friend, you know, if you're watching this five years from now, I don't know if you're still going to be able to add me as a friend on Facebook, but, <laughs> um, but on Facebook, just type in Forrest Neal, add me as a friend, you know, have a conversation. That's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, those are, those are kind of like my most reliable channels, I would say. What else? Um, yeah, what, I'll, I'll even give you my email too. What else do you got coming up on the future? I'll, the future? I'll give you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, writing writing that book, something that I'm working on, doing doing more interviews, potentially interviewing Sam Harris, uh, amongst many other individuals, and um, and you know Sarah Lazar, getting those future studies coming out. Um, whatever. So what I'm currently working on right now which you know as much as this may seem this as much as it may seem that this conversation has been leading up to a pitch not trying to pitch here um but work that i'm doing privately is that i am helping coaches who are already involved in the holistic wellness space so maybe you're already a yoga coach uh, or a yoga teacher or you're already teaching people meditation or um, helping them with Reiki or anything along those lines, sound ball therapy, whatever. I'm helping individuals who are although already following a practice and whose desire it is to help people with that. I help those individuals to develop a business structure that will enable them to financially support themselves so that they can do more of that work and, and help more people. Um, so again, I'm sorry if that seems like a pitch. I wasn't trying to pitch. Um, that's just what I'm currently working on. Um, yeah, no, no, but yeah, my email, you know, if you want to connect with me on an email, um, my email forest, Neil meditation at Gmail. Again, you can get in touch with me right now with that email. If you just want to message me or, you know, anything like that. But, um, but five years from now, I'm not sure how helpful that email is going to be. So, but any way that you guys want to get in touch with me or get involved with what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm an open book and I'm, you know, I'm looking to work with anybody who's trying to help people um, in a meaningful way like this. So, yeah. Well, Forrest, this has been great. Of course, that is Forrest with two R's if people are trying to do the email. And uh, Neil is N-E-A-L if you're listening to the audio. Forrest, this has been great. Don't uh, wait six years to come back again. And hopefully we'll see you on another event here soon. Yeah, you're you're breaking up a little bit there, but yeah, I mean, you know, works in you know Whole Foods, Barnes and Noble, stuff like that. You can still find it. You can still go to I think it's Meditation Mag. Let me actually. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got the um, link here. I've got the link here. It's, uh, it's MeditationMag.com. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, and you know that's uh, another way to um, read some of my work along with other writers in this space i mean it, that publication is more so focused on meditation but my interviews tend to be um 
much more open. You know, we'll talk about all kinds of things, you know, not just specifically meditation, but definitely a lot to be learned there following that link for sure. Right on, Forrest. This has been great. You have yourself a wonderful night. Yeah, you too, guys. Thank you, guys, again for giving me the opportunity to come on and chat with you. And and um, you know, I look forward to meeting you soon, Graham. You know, yeah, we yeah. got to get you to come on one of these these next trips coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll be um, there. Yeah, thank you, guys, again. Okay, see ya. Cool. And that was a chat with the one and only Forrest Neal, six-year hiatus, almost seven, back in Gramerica, uh, coming out better than ever. Wow, he's really he nailed that presentation. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask him about uh, about Christians because we just had that last interview. I was like, I wonder, I wonder what how the what the Christians sh- should do in this instance. You know, if there's a like, but you know, I don't know. Christians can meditate, can't they? Yeah, 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 but it's it's you know, I don't know. Um, but I I feel like they're. I feel like they're moving, you know, to further towards sort of what they would consider this as being new age, even though it's very scientific, you know, and practical. Meditating. Uh, I don't know. I think it's fine. Maybe our Christians can comment on that. Let us know what you think. Uh, big thanks to Forrest for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks, guys, if you're one of the few or gals who choose to support our work over here at America.ca slash support. You, know, you can head there. You can sign up for 50 cents a month if you want. Or $50 a month or anything in between. You decide, sign up for a monthly, maybe make a one-time donation if you're getting some value from our little podcast over here. You can also check out GrammaricaOutlaw.ca. We've been doing the news roundups. Everyone seems to like them where we uh, read some of the most popular sub stacks and stuff like that and find some links on Canadian uh, politics and, you know, just kind of have fun with the news uh, with maybe some stuff you're not seeing anywhere else especially since uh, they don't show Canadian stuff on social media anymore. So I think they did make a deal with Google. But anyway, AmericaOutlaw.ca to check that stuff out. It's a little political sometimes, a little more controversial. Um, AdultBrain.ca for all the audiobooks. Contact at thecabin.com for the trips, uh, which uh, I found. We just had another great one in from here. We got the Eclipse Festival, Total Eclipse of the fart coming up in Texas, Eclipse Canyon. Contact at thecabin.com if you want to come to our Eclipse Music Festival, April 6th to 9th, 6th to 9th, 7th to 9th, something like that. Check the website. Uh, other than that, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week.
writers They'd eventually write all of Shakespeare's sonnets Maybe then you'd love me Maybe then you'd love me Me and my monkey Get funky Go and get funky now Get funky songbirds chirping woke up this morning feeling around for my shoes i love you up to the sky 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 dream sequence as you were counting sheep i rode by on some kind of relief I roll by on a tricycle, on a tricycle, on a tricycle. That's getting oh, 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 oh. Milk and honey, milk and honey, milk and honey. To be or not to be, that is the question. Baby, woke up this morning and all my blues was dead and gone.